Welcome back listeners to another episode of Quote Unquote with KK. Today's discussion is on why not Indian tech products for global market. The genesis of this podcast started a few months back when I was reading a report on how Boat reached into the top 10 consumer product company against stiff Chinese and other well-entrenched global players. I wondered what does it take to design an innovative product for global markets from India? Earlier in my working days as an executive, I had worked with several global medtech companies on their product to be launched for India and emerging markets. You see, these products were designed for advanced and regulated markets. And when it came to India and other low income and median income emerging market countries, we had to spec down to meet the price point and functionality to be market appropriate for India. Even companies like GE and Siemens have started their product development hubs in India to design products for global markets. As an executive at Cisco, I remember that Health Presence, a product that was designed out of US, could not be sold into the Asia Pacific and emerging markets, which I led as a PNL manager. And hence, I had to redesign the product grounds up to quickly turn it around for low cost and low bandwidth. And this succeeded. Coming to startups, I have been working with Coulter Foundation in the US and many Indian tech entrepreneurs like to come to India due to the large population and market opportunity. But the product designed and price point would not let them succeed in the Indian market. During my last podcast on Mantra for Happiness with Devdat, I was wondering how he has modernized our icons and global appeal for global audience. We have thousands of years of history of art and architecture and design but we have not been able to modernize it for a global appeal in our products. While looking out for a podcast speaker, I wanted to invite some leading product designer in the league of Sir Jonathan Ive of Apple to discuss on this on our show, quote unquote, with KK. Our search ended up with a world-renowned product designer in our own backyard. He has been designing product for the global market for an idea that would be radically transforming the way tech products would be seen for one of our startups. Coming from Italy, he does have a close connect with the Chinese supply chain and assemblers and understand how these impact the final product and not just the design. He and his firm has been awarded several Red Dot awards for their innovation and their product design. Now, Red Dot is for product designers, what Oscar is for motion picture producers and actors, or Grammys is for music and singers, such is their stature. Their assignment is first in India. The founder of the firm was so excited that he invited his other partners also for this podcast to talk to us. Let me introduce you, Why Not Design, a leading product design company out of Italy and their partners, Francisco Costacuta, Alberto Torini and Giuste Parasarvate. Very quickly, let me run through the profile of the three founders of Why Not Design. Francisco was born in Cecil, a little village in North Italy, close to Venice. After graduating at Poly Design in Milan in 2005, his design career started as a junior designer for companies such as Gardesa, Italy, and Decathlon, France. In 2007, he moved back to Italy and started as a senior in design studios, first in Austria and then back in Italy, where in 2003, he joined Volpi Studios as senior designer and project leader. Why Not Design is his own studio founded in 2015 together with his wife 
and also designer Juste and Alberto. Their activities cover various areas of design and various brands both in Italy and abroad. Alberto was born in 1983 in Venice after graduating at IUAV University in Venice in 2007. He completed various intensive courses including product design with material in mind at Central St. Martin's College of Arts and Design in London. His experience before joining Francisco of Why Not Studio in 2015 included various studios in Milan and London and different project areas in home automation devices, bath and wellness and transportation. Justice studied design at Coventry University in UK. After graduating, she moved to Italy, a country she loved for the deep, strong, great connection it has with design. She started working as junior designer for different studios, including EMO in Vittorio Veneto, North Italy, where she met Francisco and joined Why Not Design as a senior designer and founded it in 2015. So welcome to the podcast. Let me start with. So Francisco, I wanted to ask, is there a specific process to design a beautiful and meaningful product? I have to say that first of all, design is not just pure creativity, but there is a much more behind exactly what you call process or method that can help a designer to create the right product for a specific market. So when you say, when you talk about meaningful and beautiful product, you are talking about some subjective parameters. And first of all, it's necessary to understand for whom product is designed in order to make it beautiful and meaningful for him. So the designer should study the market. He has to understand it. He has to study the customer, the trends, and later the designer should have the ability to connect all these little dots to arrive to the best solution possible. Great. I want to move forward and open up with Alberto. Yeah. What do you think is the importance of design thinking? Yeah. Well, design thinking is important because it, it helps any people, especially in the organization, to find better solution to problems, whatever those are, you know. So from my point of view, the two main value of it is I think that it's a process. So it means that anybody can learn and apply it and that that it's human centered. So it put people needs in, at the center, which is very important. But Going further, you know, the, the mistake that many people make is to think that anybody, once you understand the concept of design thinking, can bring world-class solution to life. In reality, it requires, like any other skill or discipline, a lot of practice, expertise, and talent. So, for instance, if you give me the same recipe to me and to, I don't know, Carlo Cracco or, I don't know, Massimo Bottura, which are some of the best Italian chefs, the result will not be the same for sure, even if we started from the same recipe. So, yeah, this is what I would like to share with you about this topic. I don't know if you agree, if you agree with this. I agree with you, but there are certain challenges from our cultural and Indian context point of view. Yeah. Typically, when they are talking about design thinking, they miss out the differentiation that they want to create in the product. No two products can be same, as you mentioned about the chefs. The recipe of two chefs can be different. Yeah. Yeah. But in India, 
we are not gone to the extent we are doing incremental design thinking or imitation design thinking is what I believe uh, is happening. And uh, we need to do some radical design thinking is where the gaps in Indian designers and uh, product developers are. Yeah. I want to move to Alberto and ask Alberto, you have been doing fabulous work and uh, creating global products, world-class products. Some of them have got red dot design awards for your creativity and design. I want to ask what are the key considerations when you are designing a global product? You see, we came to you for our startup as well because we were looking at just not the Indian market, but a global market, which would have to include not just the Indian diaspora, but a global consumer for our product. And what are your thoughts there? Yeah, this is a very complex topic that is not just linked on the skill and the talent of a designer. So in our opinion, there are some countries where there is a really strong and refined uh, design culture that, and also some anesthetic sensitivity that develop over the years. And if a designer wants to create a global world-class product, must first First of all, satisfy and conquer these most demanding markets. And later, these markets, they, they will uh, drive the spread of this product, product globally. Therefore, a designer, a good designer, should be always tuned and connect with the most current trends of these markets. And I'm talking about not just aesthetic, I'm talking also about the technology, innovation, also design philosophy. Because if you can understand those specific markets, then you spread uh, your product all over the world. Excellent. Juste, I wanted to open up with you now. And sure. since uh, you understand the ease of life and in India, we have a lot of challenges. Yeah. People do different languages, different cultures, different ways of doing things. So how is designing contributing to ease of life? Yeah, first of all, I think it's really important that the designer under studies and understands how the product work and how it is used so the designer can define its limits or uh, highlight the opportunities of improvement. So, for example, when we design, our main goal is to create solutions that are intuitive and very easy to understand. I think nowadays the trend to include smart technology in random products is sometimes very, very ineffective. For example, if you buy a table lamp and you need to read a thick manual on how to turn on the lamp, it's, it's not a good product. So by introducing technology, we have to be really careful of not making it more complicated than it is in the past. So of course, a lot of products are making our lives easier but when we are designing them we have to make sure that is very easy to understand how to use it even though the the product product itself can be really useful you know in india people are very very inventive in nature and a washing machine was not used in india for washing clothes but for churning and making a drink so wow. it was used wow. more for mixing and blending curd and to create buttermilk in mass production in restaurants and places. So that's how the ease of life over here, people are very inventive how to use the product in whatever way. So yeah. just a joke, but that's how 
people look at a product and see what alternative use if it is not useful for me to even wash my clothes in a washing machine i could use it somewhere else yeah you know difficulty makes you think smart for sure yeah in the in difficulty you you have to yeah train your, your brain to think smart yeah yeah I want to ask you a follow-on question yeah. given uh, Alberto is designing an innovative process or an inventive process because when we look at the end consumer we try to understand the need we go back on the drawing table sometimes we miss out understanding the consumer and a washing machine goes for an alternative use so yeah. how do you see this as a process well with a broad perspective so anyone is designing every time he or she is thinking to at how to solve a certain problem you talk about the washing machine so somehow this guy that is using the the, the motor of the washing machine is uh, is designing so I, i would say that it's not an innovative process itself because also the primitives in the caves were designing somehow but it's an inventive process instead because uh, you know you are creating or envisioning something new at least for yourself better if for a group of people but yeah i would say definitely that it's an inventive process rather than an innovative process i want to have a follow on question here you see a lot of product companies in india yeah they have this fetish for getting patents what is fetish for getting patents they want to patent the design they want ah, to patent the awesome. product that's how i am going to allow or dissuade my competitors to come into this product segment and that is why when they are trying to do their or the design of for the product they try to overspec they try to make things so inventive in nature that they get totally disillusioned with the consumer or the user how do you see such startups which come to you what do you tell them well francisco do you want to answer you you want to answer yeah this is we try always to be very transparent and direct to all the companies we are talking with so even if they are big or startups it's the same because for us it's very important that all our effort is bringing an idea to the market so we don't want to dedicate time and effort for something that at the end is a failure so based on our experience that is it's already 15 years of experience we try always to talk directly to the people and explain how, what we think about their idea and uh, if there are some risky areas or some solutions that we consider a little bit forced that they have some weak points and before accepting any project we we sit down with the people with company and we talk and we understand and after we underline all the the topics uh, just to to be sure that we are going in the right direction so this is important and it's also the base of a collaboration of any of our collaboration yeah and this is something i i believe that people basically don't buy things comparing specs or looking at the the numbers of a product but it's a more an emotional most of the time is more of an emotional buy so yeah i don't know if you if you agree on this absolutely there is always the emotion to a product and then what the product would deliver is it delivering time value is it delivering place value is it delivering some esteem value yeah enhancing the esteem of the user or the consumer so for us obviously these are some critical considerations rather than being inventive or going for patents 
in a product. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Before we came to Italy, we looked at certain Japanese designers. We looked at certain American designers, some European designers as well. And then we zeroed into Italy <laughs> and your firm. So I want to understand from GSTA, is there an edge for you being an Italian designer? <laughs> Definitely, for sure. You know, we, we live in a context where there has always been always been a very great attention to taste and beauty so definitely you know italy has a very old and rich culture expressed in all versions of art including architecture so even when we are walking through the streets buildings uh, from different ages can inspire us for example we see elegant shapes proportions decorations combinations of colors and materials and it all can be very inspiring for us because it's in Italy, everything is made with style. So we feel actually very, very honored to live and work in a country with such fabulous heritage of arts and design. But however, I would like to underline that even though Italian designers uh, are usually seen as artists focused on aesthetics, this, this is probably not our best skill because Italians, first of all, are inventors, creative problem solvers, and very accurate technicians. So in Italian mentality, these values are very much cultivated and appreciated. You agree? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. something that, no, it's something that for us, it, it's very important to underline because uh, in the world, uh, people are always thinking about Armani, all the fashion, the stylist, that they are mainly focused on beauty and aesthetics. But I think Italian all over the world, they are very well appreciated for uh, also their method, their problem solving capabilities. So this is, it's important and we are, uh, yeah, we like to push this, this idea of our culture and people. So as you said, Armani, some of those esteem value of around the brand Armani, I owned a few Armani <laughs> shoes and a couple of jackets when I used to live outside of India. And that was something uh, oh expensive. That's the perception of Italian design and brands in India or when you see people having the Italian brands here. However, I just wanted to understand on this whole issue between being expensive and being less expensive or cost product economics of designing a product. Francisco, I wanted to understand how you aim to bridge the gap between world-class products that you design and its economics, which is the cost of designing it, especially for startups and third world countries. And this is a very important issue because I'll tell you about 25 years back, I was working with one of the largest medical device company and they had designed an anesthesia machine. However, yes. in India, they could only sell two machines yeah. because it was so much overspec and so many features that most of the doctors in India did not require it. And it was priced very, very high. So we had to do a price feature cohort analysis and remove what was not required to make it market appropriate and cost effective for the India market. 
and then the emerging market or the low cost uh, third world markets where the product is then acceptable so francisco how do you look at uh, bridging this issue of yeah, you so, know being market appropriate at a cost versus features and looks versus perception of uh, being expensive yeah so we had the chance through the years to work with every kind of company big or small from any country and we we face this problem because of course the the price level the cost of the project level is different from a country to another country but what come immediately to, to my mind is to replace the most common form of fixed cost compensation by creating a partnership with a proportional to the sales so it means that if there is a startup that is just starting beginning their business we can propose this formula where we can win together so they don't have to dedicate a huge amount of money at the beginning for the project but this is proportional to the sales and in this is also very good because it's allowed to create a great connection a stronger connection between the company and the designer however this is also very important and i already mentioned it before when we start a project with this kind of compensation based on the sales it's very risky for the designer because we start to gain something only when the project is going to the market the product is going to the market so to avoid any problem we are always trying to be very transparent with the company and we want to understand their business plan their strategy because you know 95 96% of the startups are not going to till the end so they are failing so yeah. this is this will be a great huge failure for the startup but also for us if we are sharing the same this kind of way of working so we want always to be sure that everything will be done in the perfect way that's a great thought sharing the risk sharing the rewards and it's a win-win partnership between the startup and your ideas and concepts that you bring and so you have a skin in the game as well we try sure. to to have both way of compensation because you know some some companies they like to start collaboration like that other company they prefer to keep the distances and to to divide the design part and the company part so in this case we are going with a fixed cost so we like to to balance this to we like also to be very flexible to understand the needs of the client and to adapt in order to start to work together excellent just i wanted to bring a few thoughts here france recently introduced a repairability index to the products so mm-hmm. you can't just if the product is damaged or malfunctioning you just don't throw it and you got to repair it or it there has to be a repairability sure and also from indian point of view our generation of consumers always wanted to the product to last long and you could repair it you could make the product work longer rather mm-hmm. than go back to the service center they just replace and the product and give you a new one at a certain sure. cost also in india we have a very strong culture of products that have to be sustainable mm-hmm. and environmentally friendly as well most of the people or the consumers at, at large do not want to throw or dispose of the product uh, whether it's the battery or it's the metal you yes. would love to recycle and do things so what are your thoughts on sustainability and repairability in product design how quick um, how early do you think about it in your products that you design 
Well, first of all, sustainability is a very, very important value for me and my colleagues personally, because when we understand the problem, we are parents. So we are very concerned about the future of our, our children. And I don't know how it is in India, but in Italy, the sustainability and cr climate crisis is uh, now it's everywhere. It's on the news. Every time when they are speaking about some climate disasters, they always underline that this is a consequence of pollution and climate crisis. So personally, we, we are very aware of that and we apply sustainable uh, solutions in our daily lifestyle. But when it comes to work the reality is sometimes not so pleasant for us because not all companies have a sustainability as a primary goal and in those cases when the client doesn't have a strong interest in sustainability we try to apply our own rules our design rules on how to create a product that is less polluting so, for example, focus on evergreen design, the, the aesthetic design that wouldn't go out of style, or avoid mixing different materials that prevent the recycling process, or make it as durable as possible and make it easy to maintain so it is easy to clean. So, in other words, we, we do our little efforts to, to make a product that is lasting a long time. But when we talk about repairability, it should come from the client. And if the client does not ask us to design a product that is repairable, we can't really do anything about it because it, it depends on their manufacturing processes and their engineering team. So yeah, not, not all the projects has uh, this, uh, this goal of sustainability and it's, it is sad sometimes, but we, we try to talk with the clients and talk as, as often as possible. But the industry is turning into, into this field quite slowly, but I think this will, this should come from government uh, requirements when, when they will put strict rules for the companies, then there will be a real change. Agreed. France has started. Let's see how it moves across the Europe and then across the world. Yeah. But yes, most of the products are now getting an index rating on repairability, right from mm -hmm. electronics to other consumer durables and consumer products. Yes. Francisco, you have won several accolades for your creative and designs that you have created for your clients. As a designer, when you take an assignment, do you consider that this assignment or the design or the product that you're going to design would like to get a red dot recognition or a global recognition or are those any considerations that you have in mind before you take on an assignment or a client? I have to say that the, the idea about design awards, this uh, recognition changed a lot from when we were younger and now because, you know, when you are coming out from the school, the university, the design awards are uh, considered like uh, the best of the best. And for us, they have they had a very high value compared to what we think now. This doesn't mean that I don't care about them, but for us, it's clear that the we can't measure the quality of a designer just based on the number of awards that he won. 
because uh, really what is making a designer great is uh, especially the success that the product that he designed are going to have in the market more than the awards. But we can't uh, say we have to think about the importance of the awards if you want to increase your credibility and also if you want to spread your image of a, an international professional. Because especially in some countries, the awards are still considered a very good parameter to, to evaluate the quality of a designer. So the, the awards generate visibility, new opportunities of jobs, and these are two very important things for our business. So every time we can apply, we are going to, to do it. So this is, <laughs> this is what we think now about that. Yeah, from a company point of view, it's because Francisco talked about the designer point of view, but from a company point of view, it's still a, like a, a stamp that proves that the company invests in design. So I think that's, that's the main value of getting the, this kind of award recognition. Yeah. Yes. My follow-on question to you is, Francisco, I've seen your website, so many awards you have won, Red Dot. Which is your, I know it's a political question, right? <laughs> I wanted to understand which is the Red Dot Award that you cherish the most? Oh, this is a, <laughs> every time we are trying, we have to evaluate which of our kids is the best, is the most beautiful, <laughs> is difficult. For me, I have to say that I was very happy when we, we received the first design awards for uh, for the head headset uh, headphones for a socket a danish brand and for two reasons first because it was the beginning of why not so we were at the beginning it's always a huge mountain to climb and to climb this mountain we were uh, we accepted a lot of compromise so we also take many challenges working for example for free sometimes at the beginning just to demonstrate our design level and so we conquered this brand and after this, this award was, was the maximum, the best way to demonstrate to them that we were a very good team of uh, professionals. And so the second reason is that this was the first of uh, several Red Dot that uh, we won with this brand. So, you know, sometimes when a new company enter in a design competition, you win. It's, easy to win with the first product but the next year then the next year if you attend with the same with another product to the same awards maybe it's a little bit more difficult that the red dot is giving the same prize but we succeed on that and this reinforced our credibility to them and now we are still working with them after several years and this is the best way to perceive that they are happy their satisfaction yeah and I wish you all the very best, several more awards to come in the coming years, not just for this client, but also a client who is in India. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Moving on, you mentioned about the need to satisfy the customer as well as if you had to win an award, Alberto, if you have to win an award for your firm as well, you got to have some sort of product meaningfulness and also address a larger audience, correct? How do you try to balance or satisfy your customer on one end, create a meaningful product and also make it mass market and get an award or a recognition? Yeah, first of all, I want to say that every time we face a new project, we do our best and we want 
to get the best from yeah best satisfaction for our client independently if we we are going to apply a red dot or not or any other design award so as designer we see and propose ourselves as a consultant and we ask our client to trust to trust us as professional. Uh, however, we, we always open to customer consideration because he often, you know, he knows the market and uh, he's an expert in that particular topic. So this is why we, we set up uh, our collaboration by always placing ourselves within a dialogue and a comparison that is respectful of the respective know-how and skills. So we don't like when someone crosses the line you know, of their competences and to try to be a guru of something he or she don't know. So we do not bring just execution to our client. We bring valuable thinking and very important. We always support our decision and solution with, with some qualitative and strategic thoughts. So it's never a kind of a personal decision or personal taste. It's a matter of yeah, putting on, on the table, quali uh, again, qualitative thinking and, and thought. So, but again, we are, you are always respectful of the, our client perspective. I think this is also recently, actually, we, we received some, how to say, greeting, greetings from our, some of our client because they, they consider, uh, ourselves why not team as a really good listener you know so first of all yeah we we listen what our client has to say and then we we give them our them you know absolutely francisco i know you have not visited india no, but not yet. i'm sure you have seen indian movies and our bollywood is very famous all over the world right yeah. there are all those heroes and heroines who keep dancing on songs and make all the things around but I'm sure we would have an opportunity for you once you have finished our assignment here and the product is launched. Many more occasions for you to come to India and talk about it as well. Working with an Indian client and working on a global product coming out from India. I wanted to understand what's your view on Indian innovation and product design practices? Do you think are they still globally competitive or do they have it in them to make a global product? So first of all, I want to say that uh, I was very close to, to come to India like around 10 years ago because when I was just graduated, I went to work in France uh, in Decathlon and my boss there, he became the first design director of ESD school in Mumbai. That is, yeah. he founded the school. So this school uh, is uh, mentioned, considered one of the best design school in, in India. So. Yeah. He wanted me to, to be part of the teaching team, but yeah, it was not the right moment of my life. I had other projects, so, but okay. I had a long time ago, big opportunity. And I have also two colleagues, two friends from France that they worked in the, in the same school. So this is, I have to say that we don't know really well the Indian, the Indian market. So I know personally these people, and also in terms of work, we didn't have so many design opportunities from India except Connote and this project that is close to the end, close to be presented in the market. So we had our other opportunities, but nothing arrived to a real project. So it's very difficult for me to give you our personal feeling about uh, the Indian culture. I have to say that with the opening of this university in Mumbai, 
this for me was already a first step into a world-class design. Also because around seven, eight years ago, everywhere is products from some students from that school. So the communication, the marketing was very big and I saw very qualitative results from there. Some also concept that won a huge design awards. So this is the starting point from the school, the instruction. And later, of course, this is the beginning. You need a lot more to build the path, but it's already a good starting point. Yeah, actually, I went to the school to deliver a TEDx talk oh, okay. a couple of years back, and I met the principal the school as well. She just retired, I guess, during COVID time last year or earlier this year. And I was fairly impressed with the work that the students and the school was creating from a concept point of view. So I totally agree. These are humble beginnings to getting a world-class product out from Indian designers, maybe in future. Yeah, I have for my small knowledge about that. This school is based on French design approach that in my opinion is a little bit different compared to Italian university approach because I know quite well the, the French university because I was living there and working there for two years and they are very strong oriented to concept. So sketching and creating very innovative ideas, new concepts. And from that, so when you are like creating the stars, after you have to bring the stars to the earth. So you have to make them to transform in, in real Complete product. product. So yeah. this is something that I see more strong Italian university, but we are weaker than them in the, the other part. So I think, yeah, this is something that maybe it's an, another important step for uh, for India to develop also this capability to transform nice idea into a real product. Excellent. Just as a side note and an information, hosted the originator of Angry Birds game. He came to my office and we spent some time. Actually, he has signed an MOU with one of the state governments to start a game designing university in India. I'm sure there would be opportunities to bring both the French and the European and the Italian connections together to do a product design university, getting all the key trends of each and every country's design education systems together as a pot boiler in India and merging it with our Indian culture and our Indian design stuff as well. I'm sure that's going to be a, an opportunity we should probably explore. Yeah, true. Alberto, I want to ask you a quick question. We talked about India and how the India's pipeline for talent on design is. Which country has the greatest potential to do innovation in product design space? Well, I wish I would answer Italy, of course, which is in a way true. We have great potential, you know, for a variety of reasons. But the better answer I could give is uh, in those countries where there is a deep culture of design, and a willingness to make extraordinary things. But this is not enough because the availability of capital is equally crucial. This is inevitable. And if one of the two aspects is missing, maybe they can attract each other. So that's why we, we see Chinese companies that are opening design center in Italy or in Europe because they have capital 
to invest or maybe investors that are attracted by a particular innovation place or situation. So I, yeah, this is, I think, are the, the main aspect to consider to find the, the best place that have the best potential to do innovation. You see, from America, the world pivoted to the Japanese and then the reverse engineering by the Koreans. Yeah. And then it went to Chinese who imitated the Korean model. Is there some sort of a common theme like this where product designs, successful product designs happen from a certain country and then went to some other country and today at the pole position there is a certain country which is leading in innovation in product design? Well, I think that anyone can copy any product let's say. So the product is easy to copy, but what you cannot copy is brand DNA. So you can copy and make maybe an iPhone really similar to the original, but you cannot copy what iPhone, what Apple stand for people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's copying is a concrete things and it will be forever. It will always will be. But what companies has to consider is to build a, a strong brand DNA, you know, that it's difficult to copy. So, according to that, just yeah, I want to ask you, the Chinese have done a lot of copying from <laughs> India and then they have launched it back to India, making it cheaper, better, faster as well, right? So, sure. how do you, when you design a product or do things, how do you think it gets accepted by the targeted consumer and also for the global market? Is it the cost consideration? Is it the branding as, as Alberto mentioned? Or it is just that you want to probably look at the competition and see what you can improve on top of it and make it cheaper, better, faster? <laughs> well, we give a very important significance to the research phase of the project. So we, on the internet and personally, we try to understand the best possible information about that field or the market. We run a precise market study to understand the trends or consumer preferences. So we read articles, we read the reviews to understand how the people that country or, or market think. So we are very aware that consumers on the other side of the world could have completely different needs or taste of aesthetics. And so we're keeping that in mind, we we, tr we do our best to design functional and beautiful product for them, not only for us. And I think few times it did happen that the final product that we designed maybe is not the product that I would buy, but I just put aside my ego as a designer and, uh, and I understand that it will be for a precise and different market, market that I'm used to. And yeah, we, we have to accept to be very, very flexible and intuitive and to use empathy to, to understand the other type of mentality. Well, I just want to relate to you a, a story. I was doing the Cornell Medical College in Qatar mm -hmm. and there was a European you know, architect who was given the mandate to put the whole design of okay. the hospital based on the work that we had done. And this is in early 2000. And okay. he came back with a certain design or a theme and of the architecture for the hospital and the college and the royal family of Qatar just didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And it was a total rework of what they had in mind versus what the designer had had conceived as the final product for the university hospital and the campus. 
have you had such incidences where been a complete disaster between what your expectation and the client expectation is and how do you work towards bridging that well before every presentation we we look at the concepts and between us we discuss so do you like it do we like it yes we like it but will the client like it we this is a very important question for us so I can't really remember if uh, it ever happened, but... Yeah, in fact, uh, <laughs> it's not... I don't want to say that we are too good because it's... But in a way, I honestly don't remember a situation when client was not satisfied or maybe he asked us to go back home and to create new pr proposals because the first that... Uh, we presented, they were not exactly what you wanted. And this is exactly because we are not following our personal taste and we are not just applying our subjective evaluation criteria. So we are uh, always trying to be in the clothes of the final user, the final target and, and create something for them. In fact, it's not rare that we design something that we will never buy because sometimes we had to design like furniture for uh, elderly people, for hospital. Sometimes we have to design something for uh, for the kids. We are not kids anymore. So we are uh, like uh, this uh, little animal, the chameleon, I don't know in English, that <laughs> yeah. is, changing, is changing the skin color to yeah, hide in the jungle, in the forest. So we always try to be, to follow what, to understand and to talk a lot because this is the, it's also a good way to don't lose time because if we finalize a product, if we make the entire project, we go to the client and we show it and the client is not happy, we, maybe we are going to lose the client and we, we need to go back home and to work again. And this is uh, completely inefficient in terms of also business uh, approach. So we have to reach the target or to try to, be, to do the best to reach the target always. And it's very important that when we design something, we are never showing just our three solutions, but we are always presenting it with 50 pages of research before. So after the research, after Inside. explaining all the thoughts and the consideration, it's very difficult for the client to don't agree with us because there is a linear path that brought us from the beginning to the concept. And the concept, they are the answer, the best answer possible for that specific project. So this is... Uh, and I would like to add that we, we always underline that the most important part of the project is the brief, the, the initial task that the client gives us. So we ask a lot, a lot of questions to be sure what the client wants. So if he says that he wants to have a vintage looking toaster with four legs and two buttons and with a little touch of metal and everything, and if we define that at the beginning of the project, there's a really, really low risk that there will be a misunderstanding and situation like you described with architecture in Qatar, because I think in that case, maybe they just didn't talk at the beginning of the project if they it presented completely different thing. It happens yeah. sometimes in Arab. Yeah, at, Arab at, the end, <laughs> at the end, it's a matter of communication now. Exactly. Uh, but uh, sometimes happen that our client or some of our, our client don't know what they want. So, Correct. That so fuzzy. Case, 
it happened. And in that case, we have to bring our perspective and our intuition, our intuition. Yeah, and also connecting to what just Alberto said, we are always trying to find clients that they respect our work. So we are the professional, like you are not asking to the dentist, to your dentist, what are you doing? You don't have to do this, you have to do that. Because you trust on his capabilities and his professional approach, expertise. So we are exactly that. So if someone is asking a project, we want to know everything from the client, what he wants, what are his dreams, his expectations. But after, he must trust 100% on us because we are the expert on that field. He's paying us not to be just to to design what he wants, but to analyze and to give our personal answer. So this is what is very important for us. And this you don't have maybe this when you go out from school, you have to build the step by step with your experience. Alberto, you brought up a big point. I'm just taking on from the point of what just I mentioned. Sometimes there is a concept and we have been doing this in our startups several times. It's a radical idea not being in the world and we are giving birth to that radical idea. The brief that perhaps you may get also could be very fuzzy. It could not be looking an archaic looking toaster design with four legs. It's just a very open-ended brief and it's equally difficult for you to probably get into the mind because the inventor or the client himself is not very certain and you don't have the beginning points of where to start your research as well. Sometimes we've come across certain proposals like these as well to invest where the guy has an idea, he's put this whole together, but he has got all the technology and all the ideas and the concept together. But how does he want it to present as a product or package it as a product to the world? He himself is not clear. How do you then work with such clients and bring a product design to a reality? Well, actually, I don't see any particular difficulty compared to other type of project. Because when you have structured, uh, you know, approach and method, uh, you can face very different type of project. But... If I have to highlight maybe a challenge uh, is that, as you said, when you have to create an experience or a product completely from scratch, you don't have any reference from which to draw feedback. And this can be for sure an opportunity as well as a risk. So I personally think in that case, the intuition and the experience, the intuition and the I would say the more creative creative part of a designer should come out because the projects that are more, you need a more analytical approach when you have uh, data and when you have things to consider, very technical. technical. And sometimes you have to bring a more uh, creative approach, you know. And in that case, quality of the designer and the quality of the thinking of the designer makes the difference. You know, I think it's hard to explain and also to teach how to design a way because, okay, there is the method part, there is the really fixed part, but then there is the personal approach, the personal feeling, the personal personal inside of each person that come out. So that's why it's not easy. It's not an easy job, you know. Okay, let me pivot this question. Which product, according to you, is the most unique product that you have ever designed? Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to make preference or maybe maybe some client can offend, you know. 
Okay. So, <laughs> but I can say the one the one we have in the drawer waiting for an, an entrepreneur visionary enough to, to build it. So maybe this is a personal Alberto personal point of view, but what pushed me as a designer to grow and become every day better, a better designer is because I'm never 100% satisfied of what I'm doing. So the most, what I say that is the most unique product is the next, the next one coming. The best is yet to come. Yeah, the best is yet to come, but yeah. So we as design team actually does not measure uniqueness by how many magazines publish our project, our product, or how many awards we won, or, but the only aspect we consider to measure the, the success of our product and also the uniqueness is how successfully it is on the market. So the most unique is the most, the most successful in the market to me. So let's talk about the past and the future before we wrap up. Entrepreneurs are people who dream, including our friend Steve Jobs, right? So mm -hmm. if Steve Jobs didn't go to Sir Jonathan Ive and came to you, what would you have done differently in the products that Apple has created? And obviously Apple is today the world's richest company or the country, I would say. Many countries are more poor than, than Apple. <laughs> yeah. So no, none of us is an Apple user. This is, I just want to say that because, you know, in the design world, Apple is, it was especially, but it's also now considered like a god. So when you are designing a designer, the standard designer is with iPhone and Apple laptop. But we are not, even if I have to say that especially at the beginning of our career, Apple was a company that we consider as the best good. Uh, they have products that they gave us a lot of inspiration for all our work. But now I have to say that Apple for me, the best, the main value of Apple is about UX and UI rather than hardware. So more the software than the hardware. And considering that we are industrial product designer, so we are focused more in the, the hardware itself. I can say that in the market, there are several products that they are maybe they have a more innovative, more interesting solution in terms of ID compared to Apple. Maybe Apple opened path and now a lot of other companies are, are trying to say their own word. But a part of that, I have to say that if now Apple call us and say, why not? Do you want to, to design the new Apple car? I think uh, we will be the happiest and the most accomplished design in the world. So we will celebrate for one week because <laughs> you know, it's still one of the company that represent the final goal for any designer, especially because they have a so strong, a huge, huge design culture that and respect for our profession that will be the best to work for them, with them. So this for sure. Well, now you've got it to the present that you have Apple as a benchmark. What do you see in the next 10 years? What are the trends in product design? It's an open question. All of you can answer. What do you see the future of product design and industry designers getting products in the future in the next 10 years or 15 years? 
Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned before, I think and I really hope that since the world is in desperate need of solving climate crisis, this will definitely affect the industry of consumer products. Most of the objects that we see now around us has to be redesigned to be repairable, recyclable, more durable and as efficient as possible. So disposable products has to practically disappear or be replaced with recyclable alternatives. So I have I hope this step by step will become a huge trend and we will we will have to redesign everything. Another trend maybe that we can see and this constantly evolving is around electronic devices that uh, are always becoming more intuitive, connected uh, one to another, and um, devices are becoming wireless. So this is affecting the um, aesthetic uh, look of the product, making it clean, more sleek, and free of wires. This will be a very visual change in, in, in all the devices. And maybe I think uh, another trend could be uh, coming out of, of the crisis of pandemic. After we we face these uh, problems of isolation, being alone, and having to communicate through devices, uh, maybe those will, will become even more efficient and uh, more developed to be per- perfectly aligned with the needs of communication. And at the same time, after this pandemic, when people are missing emotions and a connection with the people, so maybe even products will will be will become more, how can I say, human, uh, with human touch and that are tackling emotions of uh, consumers. Uh, what I can add is just... So you are saying in 10 years, 15 years time, we'll have human droid product created which will have emotions and talk to people yeah and most of that's a reality recyclable <laughs> sorry francisco you no 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 i just want to say that you see we can for me we can see some trends that they are already part of the present because it's very difficult to project our to, to have a vision of a 10 15 years especially because we are living the present and we are always talking with the clients that are working in the present so but i i totally agree with the use and i hope that everything will move in sustainability direction and later and it's hard to to see further than that i hope I, I would like to have the capability to <laughs> to see 50 years in the future but we are designer we, we don't have this uh, special uh, capability Great. Uh, I'm afraid we have run out of time and there are so many other issues I wanted to talk about India, but I think that should be a podcast of its own. Talking to you about India and Indian culture and Indian way of designing and shortcutting a lot many things to make it cheaper, better, faster, but we have, I'm afraid we are run out of time. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Before I go, I just love to thank you, our sponsors and our team, which has made it possible. And also Alicia and Sujay, who has connected and made it possible for us to have this podcast go live. Thanks and stay safe. And we would love to have you soon in India. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank we, you for we, this opportunity. We wish our thought can inspire someone in India and abroad. Absolutely. Absolutely.